Luke chapter number 10, beginning with verse number 25. And let's just pay attention to the word because I feel like I really have something to say, say today. I, I mean, I have something to say every week, but, you know, there are occasions where you really feel like the Spirit wants you to say something particular to the body. And so I just want you to really pay attention. I mean, uh, it's still early. It's not even 12 o'clock. So, and we don't have church tonight. So just give your full undivided attention to the word. That's Luke chapter number 10, beginning with verse number 25. And it's always good that we, you know, have those services where we sense the presence of the Lord and we allow the Lord to work. But there's, we should never get away from the preaching of the word of God because the preaching of the word of God is the nourishment to our soul and to our spirit man. And so it is what brings freedom. Luke chapter number 10, beginning with verse number 25. If you're there, say a big amen. Luke chapter 10 and verse number 25. And behold, a certain lawyer stood up and tested him, saying, Teacher, what shall I do to inherit eternal life? And he said to them, What is written in the law? And what is the reading of it? And so he answered and said, You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength, with all your mind, and your neighbor as yourself. And he said to him, you have answered rightfully. Do this and you will live. But he, wanting to justify himself, said to Jesus, And who is my neighbor? And Jesus answered and said, A certain man went down from Jerusalem to Jericho and fell among thieves who stripped him of his clothing, wounded him, and departed, leaving him half dead. Now by chance a certain priest came down the road, and when he saw him, he passed by to the other side. Likewise, a Levite, when he arrived at the place, came and looked and passed by to the other side. But a certain Samaritan, as he journeyed, came where he was. And when he saw him, he had compassion on him. So he went to him, bandaged his wounds, pouring oil and wine, and set him on his own animal, brought him to the end, and took care of him. And on the next day, when he departed, he took out two denarii and gave it to the innkeeper and said to him, Take care of him. And whatever more you spend, when I come again, I will repay you. So which of these three do you think was your neighbor, or was a neighbor to him who fell among thieves? And he said, he who showed mercy on him. And then Jesus said to him, go and do likewise. Go and do likewise. This morning, I just want to preach on the thought, what's love got to do with it? Look to your neighbor and tell your neighbor, what's love got to do with it? <laughs> Amen. What's love got to do with it? Amen. Heavenly Father, we thank you for this opportunity that we have to minister your word today. We pray that you would open up our ears, that you would open up our hearts, Lord, that we would hear your word, that we would understand your word, and Lord, that your word would bring forth um, fruit. And that, that's what we pray today, that your word would bring fruit, fruit. And Lord, we pray that you would mold us and make us and shape us and break us and bend us into the people that you've called us to be. And Lord, I pray that there would be no distractions today, but that we would give our undivided attention to your word and that your word would take root in our heart. And everyone shouted a great big amen. Just a quick reminder, I, um, I'm not going to preach on prayer and fasting today. Um, and usually right before we fast and right before we pray, I usually will preach a sermon about the importance of fasting and the importance of prayer. But I felt a different direction this morning, not because it's Valentine's Day, but because this has been on my heart. Uh, but I really encourage you to take 
a couple meals this week and to really fast. I know I already made mention of this, but I strongly encourage you just to take a meal. Now, if you sleep into 12 o'clock, that is really not fasting for breakfast. Would you? So let's make it a sacrifice. Pick a meal or two. If you want to fast every day at a certain time, there are sign-up sheets at the information center. Just sign up for a meal and take that um, things that we're praying for and really pray over. I encourage everybody to get one of those uh, nine things that we're praying for. And the reason that we do that is because we want to stay focused. And, and sometimes I've learned growing up in church, we're praying, but we really don't know what we're praying for. There's no focus in our prayer. And so that helps us to be focused, helps us to know what we're praying for. And so take that and really devote time. And you are welcome to come to church this week at 630 uh, to pray over those and to seek the Lord. And we're going to have a wonderful time. Amen. What's love got to do with it? Somebody shout that out as loud as you can say. What's love got to do with it? Look to your spouse and say, what's love got to do with it? (laughs) You know, Valentine's Day is a day that is set aside in the calendar for us to show love to our spouses, for us to show love to our boyfriend, for us to show love to our girlfriends, or maybe even a close family member. But for some of us, Valentine's Day is a hard day Because maybe you are here today and you don't feel like you have anybody to love on you. Or maybe you don't have anyone to love. Maybe you've lost your spouse. Maybe maybe you are from a divorced home. Maybe you don't have a significant someone in your life to show love or for you to love. And I want to say this, that no matter what you feel about Valentine's Day, it's placed in the calendar for us to express love to one another. And I am a firm believer of this, church. Every person desires to be loved and every person desires to love. Let me say that. Every person desires to be loved and every person desires to love. Every person. No matter who you are, no matter what side of the tracks you're from, no matter your social economic status, everybody desires to love someone and we desire to be loved. That is the universal language of the human race. We all want to be loved, and we want to love someone. And so those two desires are innate within us. Since we've been a child, we desire to love someone and to be loved. And have you ever noticed that our society is fascinated with the idea of love? Have you ever noticed that our society uh, doesn't really know what real love is? but they are in love with the concept of love. I mean, they don't really know what love is, but they're in love with the idea of love. They're in love with the concept of love. Our culture is so thirsty for love that sometimes we'll go to the counterfeit. Sometimes we'll even go to the extreme just to feel loved by people. And you can fill in the blanks. I'm sure you know all kinds of people and all kinds of stories of what people will do just to feel loved by another person. We, people will go to the extremes. People will fall for the counterfeit because of the desire to be loved and the desire to love someone. Have you ever noticed that love is a big business in America? I mean, Hollywood makes billions off of love, of the concept of love. Love is really a big business. Have you ever noticed that most of the movies that Hollywood produces usually has a love scene in it? 
No matter how macho the movie is, or no matter how sappy the movie is, somehow, some way, in the movie line, there's a love story. Somebody falls in love. Because a movie is really not a movie unless somebody loves somebody. Unless love prevails, unless good triumphs over evil. Because we're all fascinated with the concept of love. We're all fascinated with the idea of love. Some of us don't know what true love is, but all of us can agree that we're fascinated with the concept of love, aren't we? I mean, we're all even fascinated with that fairy tale that we're all find somebody to fall in love with and we live in a nice house with a picket fence with a little dog and life is happy ever after. Everything is okay because I found somebody to love me and I found somebody to love to, to love. But all of us know that that's not true. And let's really get real this morning. Let, let's not be religious because we all know that that's not true. We all know people, and we maybe have experienced it ourselves. We all know people that supposedly fell in love, but they didn't have a good ending. We all know people like that, or maybe you have a testimony. You swore you fell in love. I mean, you had the goosebumps. You, I mean, you, you, you felt that feeling. It was almost uncontrollable. It was that passion. But we do know that just because you fall in love doesn't mean that you're going to have a happy ever after, does it? I mean, can you see how our minds and our hearts have been polluted with this concept of love? That if we are loved and we show love, somehow our lives are fixed and somehow everything is going to be okay. But we know that history does not bear that. Now, there are love stories, obviously. And there are people like we've seen today that's loved each other for 40 years. You see, but it takes more than just a concept of love. It takes more than just the idea of love, ladies and gentlemen. Oh, what am I trying to say? This is what I'm trying to say. How can you know what love is if you don't know who love is? Let me say that again. How can you know what love is if you don't know who love is? You see, if you're going to really love You've got to know who love is. If you really want to know what love is, you've got to know who love is. You know, I'm reminded of the scripture in 1 John chapter 4 and verse 7 and verse 8, and I quote this. John the Apostle said it like this. Beloved, let us love one another, for love is of God. And everyone who loves is born of God and knows God. And he who does not love does not know God, for God is love. What are you saying, preacher? I'm saying it like this. How can you know what love is? How can you express love to your neighbor? How can you really love your spouse if you do not know who love is? All other love is superficial. All other love is counterfeit. All other love is just built up on a sinking sand. But when you know the creator of love, when you fall in love with the one who designed love, then ladies and gentlemen, you can love properly to people. Can I hear an amen this morning? If you do not know God, you cannot love God correctly. And that is why people will go from one relationship to another relationship and to another relationship and to another relationship. Because listen to this. 
this preacher, a person can never ever fulfill the deepest longings of your heart. If you're looking to another person to fulfill the deepest longings of your heart, you will never find it. No matter how good they look, no matter how hot they may be, no matter what good personality they may be, no matter how much money they make, no person can fulfill the deepest longings of the human heart. There is only one person, and that is God. And when God gets in you and God is in you, then only you can understand what true love is. Let me tell you something. I don't mean to shout this morning, but I have been touched by the love of God. Hallelujah. I want to let you know that the love of God is different than any other love that you can ever experience. Come on, somebody. The love of God is different. You can't find the love of God on the internet. You can't find the love of God on ChristianMingle.com. Come on. You can't find the love of God in another person. You can't find true love. You can't try to find true love in a one-night stand or in the back seat of a car. You can't find true love in the opposite sex or the same sex. You can't find love in a club or in a bar. You can't find love in the best friend. There is only but one that can really love you the way you deserve to be loved, and that is God himself. And if God ain't in you, you're going to go from one person to another person searching for love. Searching for love. It's, 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 it's that love that's different from all other love. It's the kind of love that brings life into death. It's that kind of love that brings healing into the hurting. It's the kind of love that can mend the brokenhearted and break every chain. You know what the love of God is? Let me just, can I just preach a little bit? I want to tell you what the love of God is. The love of God is ridiculous. The love of God is reckless. The love of God is redeeming. The love of God is reconciling. The love of God is undeserved. The love of God is unearned. It's not because of you, but because of Him kind of love. It is the unconditional love. It's not about how much you love Him. It's about how much He loves you. That's the type of love I'm talking about. I am talking about ridiculous love. I'm talking about reckless love. I am talking about undeserved love, unmerited love. You see, the love, the love that you're familiar with is this. I love you until you cross me. I love you, but I got some strings attached to you. I love you, but there's some conditions. I love you, but if you do it one more time, it's over. Because that's how we are. We keep record of people's wrongs. When the Bible says in 1 Corinthians 13 that true love doesn't keep a record of wrong done to it. You see, love is not about proving that it's right. Love is not about defending its position. Oh, we live in a day and age where we like to tell people exactly what we think and we like to prove to people exactly our position, but love says I let down my boundaries, I, I let down my rights, I give up my rights, and I love you not because you deserve to be loved, but I love you because Jesus loved me much and I got to love you much. I have been forgiven of much, so therefore I've got to be, I got to forgive much. Hallelujah. 
You see, the love of God is undeserving. The love of God is reckless. The love of God is redeeming. The love of God is reconciling. The love of God is undeserved. It's not because of you, but it's because of Him. It's unconditional, the agape type of love. If you really want it, you say, you say I just don't understand, Pastor. What do you mean? Sometimes with this generation, we've got to have a picture of what love is. I mean, you scroll through Facebook and there's all kinds of selfies of people saying, He's the best thing that's ever happened to me. He's my all in all. He's my honey and baby. And so forth, so on. And why do we do that? Because all of us like to have a picture of what love is. Don't we? But if you look to the Bible, what is love? We know it's God. But is there a picture to demonstrate His love? Yes, there is. As a matter of fact, the picture is right behind my head. It's lifted up. It's called the cross. The cross today is not a symbol of religion. It's not a symbol of hate. It's not a symbol of racism. It's not a symbol of separation. It is a symbol of love. It is the bridge from death to life. The cross is the picture to humanity that love gave all. Oh, hallelujah. You see, that's what love is. Love is giving your all with no strings attached. Jesus told that young ruler, that lawyer, if you really want to have eternal life, then you've got to love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, with all your strength. In other words, Jesus is saying this, if you really want to have eternal life, then you've got to abandon yourself and love me with your all. Because that's what love is. Love is spelled A-L-L. -L. Love is not a feeling. Love is not goosebumps. Love is not found on the computer. Love is A-L-L. -L. Love is all. Love is saying, I make a decision. I know you talked about me. I know you don't even like me. I know you rolled your eyes at me. I know you stole from me. I know you backstabbed me. But I, there's something in me that compels me to love you anyway. Love is giving your all. And that's what the cross is. The cross represents Jesus giving his all to humanity with no strings attached. No strings attached. He didn't leave a list of rules hanging to the cross. He never one time said, it's over if you do it one more time. He never said, if you commit the sin one more time, it's over. No, no, no. He had abandonment. Reckless, undeserving love, gave his all and said, there's still room at the cross. No matter how wretched you feel, no matter how many times you fall, no matter how worthless you feel because of what you have done, I will always give my all to the very end. Love goes to the very end and it gives all. Christ gave his all. You see, you see, how, let me ask you a question. How do you know you really love? Oh, pictures don't impress me. I mean, you could put pictures and, and, and still... Don't, you know what love is? 
Love is proven in an love is proven in in unlovely places. Until death do us part, until sickness. I don't know if you really love her until she's laid up in the bed and can't feed herself or bath herself. I don't know if you, anybody can say you love them now when they look good and have a job, but wait till they're laid up in the bed and they can't feed themselves and clothe themselves. Then I'll know whether you really love them or not. Because love is proven in, in unlovely places. But God demonstrated His own love towards us. In while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Can I say it one more time? God demonstrated His love towards us. In while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. 1895. A young man said it like this. Wonderful. Wonderful love rescued me. I was sinking deep in sin. Guilty and vile as I could be. No hope within. When every ray of light had fled. Oh, what a glorious day. He raised my soul up from the grave. I will say it with a loud voice. Love found a way. Love found a way. It redeemed my soul. Oh, love found a way. God made me whole. Love sent my Lord to the cross of shame because love found a way. Oh, praise His name. Is there anybody that can wave your hand and say, I know that love found a way. I didn't even love myself, but love Found a way. James Rowe in 1935 wrote it like this. What a matchless Savior I have found at last. In His blessed keeping, He will hold me fast. He has died to save me. He blotted out my past. Oh, His love is more than any tongue could ever tell. Oh, His love is more than any tongue could ever tell. No wonder I His praises swell. I shall leave Him never, but I shall be His forever. Oh, His love is more than any tongue could ever tell. Ladies and gentlemen, look at the cross behind me. We are in the Easter season, and we will remember that it is the cross that had saved us. It is because of the cross it redeems us from our past. And it redeems us from our shame and on our guilt. You see, the cross is the symbol of love. It's hard to explain. It's hard to put it in language. It's hard to put it in words. This love, because it's so undeserving, it's so reckless, it's so, it's so redeeming, it's, it's, it's so unabandoned. How do you explain it? Mathematicians have tried to explain the love of God. Mathematicians have tried to figure out the love of God, and yet they can't figure it out. History has tried to define the love of God, and, and yet they can't define it. Geography, you see, they can't even locate the depths of His love. Architects 
they can't even measure the height of his love, nor can they lay the foundation of his love. Electricians can never improve in the light of his love. Enemies, oh yes, there's been lots of them. They've tried to destroy the love of God. Voters have tried to vote out his love. Water has tried to drown out his love. Fire has tried to burn up his love. Snow has tried to cover up his love. Storms have tried to blow away his love. And death, 2,000 years ago, have tried to kill out his love. But death, where is your sting? But thanks be to God who gives us the victory in our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Death could not kill His love. Ladies and gentlemen, His love is A-L-L. He gave His all for you. He gave His all for you. That's what the love of God is. Oh, Tina Turner sung that song in 1984. What's love got to do with it? Well, Tina Turner, love has everything to do with it. Love has, you know why love has everything to do with it? Because the apostle said it like this, 1 Corinthians 13 and 8, love never fails. I, I, I'm just going to say that again. I think it deserves for me to say it again. Love never fails. I'm broken. I'm broken. Condemnation never works. Pointing your finger at them, it don't work no more, church. Telling them that if they don't change, there's a hell. It don't work no more because nobody thinks they've done anything wrong. How can you convince somebody they're lost when they don't think they're lost? You know what will break the heart of men and women? You know what will cause a man to drop the fifth of liquor and turn around on a bar stool? Do you know what will cause a man to throw down a Playboy book and throw down the remote control and learn about Jesus? It is when you stand up with the tenacity and perseverance of God and love them in spite of their sin and their shame and their guilt. It's time that we love the hell out of people. But you don't know what they did to me. Love them. You don't know what they said about me. Love them. It never fails. But pastor, I did it. It never fails. But you don't know what they, you don't know how bad they hurt me. Love never fails. You don't know how bad the church hurt me. Love never fails. It never fails. Listen, books will fail. Preachers will fail. Churches will fail. Your husband will fail. Your wife will fail. Your kids will fail. But love Quit your hating. Don't work. Love never fails. What is love? Love is to benefit others at the expense of yourself. While lust is to benefit yourself at the expense of others. Oh, we live in a selfish generation. Even our worship songs are selfish. Pass me not, O oh gentle Savior. It's me, oh me, standing in the need of prayer. You see, it's not careful our theology gets so twisted. 
Because it becomes all about us. But Jesus said, when you pray, you pray our Father. Because love just don't say my Father. Love is about a community. It's us. Love never fails. You see, I'm a firm believer in this. That when you experience the love of God, it should dictate your expression. I'm going to say that again. When you experience the love of God, your experience should dictate your expression. There should be some expression in your life to love people if you've been touched by the love of God. I'm going to say that again. If you have genuinely been touched by the love of God, there should be some sort of expression in your life. Oh, ladies and gentlemen, I stand before you. i got to talk about me because I can't talk about you. I stand before you because I remember as a child how the love of God changed my life, how the power of God changed me. It changed my life forever. I would sit on the church pew and I would shake and I would cry as a little boy because I would feel the power of God and it changed the reason, the reason I've made it to where I'm at. Not because of, not because of buildings and money, it was because the grace, the unmerited favor of Almighty God, His hand, His love compelled me to serve Him. Have you ever been touched by His love so much? And you love Him so much that it feels like on the inside of you that your heart is going to explode because you're like, Lord, I want to love you the way you deserve to be loved. By this we know love. Because He laid down His life for us. We ought to lay down our life for our brother. Let me ask you, do you have that type of love? I don't know. Because we're quick to write people off. Come on, I've been in this business for a long time. We can call it PMS. We can call it I'm having a bad day. But the bottom line is the spirit. We all have bad days, believe me. The Bible says, walk in the Spirit. We can make excuses for the flesh all we want to make. When the love of God has compelled you, it changes your expression. You're not perfect at it, but you're making progress at it. Why are you saying this, Pastor? Because if you've been serving God for 30 years and you're still wrestling over the same hurts and problems and still mad at the same people, you're not growing. growing. You're not. John 13, 35, by this all men will know that you are my disciples because you love one another. What are you saying, preacher? Your experience should dictate your expression. Your experience should dictate your expression. Your experience should dictate your expression. In closing, the lawyer said to Jesus, Jesus,
one eternal life. Jesus immediately said, you're, you're to love me with all your heart, soul, and mind. Love me with everything. And then love your neighbor as yourself. Because the cross is vertical and horizontal. Because when you love God, you would want to love people. You see? And then the lawyer said, well, Lord, who is my neighbor? In other words, the lawyer is like, if I'm to love you with all my heart, soul, mind, body, and strength, then you're saying I should love my neighbor, but who is my neighbor? And Jesus tells this parable about a certain man going from Jerusalem to Jericho. He fell among thieves, and you know the story. The thieves stripped him, beat him, and left him half dead. And then the Bible says, a priest walked by, saw him, and passed by the other side. A Levite saw him and passed by to the other side. But the story ends with Jesus speaking of the good Samaritan. The good Samaritan got off his donkey and got some oil and wine and bandaged up his wounds and put him on his donkey and took him to a hotel so he could recover. And the good Samaritan says, if, if he stays any longer and requires more money, requires more attention, I'll take care of it. Just put it on my bill. And Jesus asked the lawyer, which of those three showed mercy? The lawyer said, well, it was the good Samaritan. And you go and do likewise. Now, why is this story important about love? Because if you love God with all your heart, it's going to be expressed to the most unlovely people in your life. If you really love God, it's going to be expressed to even people that you don't even think deserves to be loved. The Good Samaritan, an unlikely candidate to stop and take care of a certain man, demonstrates to us that love crosses all boundaries. You know what this story teaches us? Number one, this story teaches us that the hurts floored the man. Floored the man. What do I mean by that? Well, do you remember the thieves? There was a certain man, a certain man. The man doesn't have a name, but the certain man, the Bible says, fell among thieves. And what did the thieves do? The Bible says the thieves stripped him and wounded him. When he fell, he was stripped and he was wounded and he was left for half dead. That tells me that the man had some hurts and those hurts floored him. The stripping, the beating, it left him half dead. Because have you ever been hurt so bad that it floored you? Have you ever been hurt so bad that it felt like you were left for half dead? This man, this unnamed man, was stripped he had fallen, he was beaten, he was wounded, and then he was left for half dead because that's what hurts do to you. Hurts have the ability to leave us fallen. They have the ability to floor us. Hurts have the ability to rip it out of us. And I'm convinced that we're really good at the name of Jesus, but we haven't understand the nature of Jesus. We want to shout about the name of Jesus, but the nature of Jesus compels us to go after these people. You see, hurts 
it floored him. And then the Bible says, number two, the holy ignored him. Hurts floored him, but the holy ignored him. Who was the holy? The priest? The Levite. Oh, men of the cloth. You know what they did? They saw him and they both passed by to the other side. The holy ignored him. You know, I don't know about you, but the first group abused him. The thieves abused him. But this group was just as worse. Because you know what this, worse, this group did? They ignored him. Which, which is worse? Somebody that beats you or somebody that ignores you? I would say they both hurt, wouldn't you? But being ignored by somebody, I would rather be beat than to be ignored by somebody. But the holy, the priest and the Levites, they just passed by to the other side and they ignored him. They ignored the man. He was wounded. He was stripped. He was beaten. But they ignored him. And you know what hurts more than anything? Church hurt. Because church hurt. You, you don't expect church people to hurt you. I expect my biological family to hurt me, but when it comes to church, you don't expect them to hurt you, and they hurt, that hurt worse. Would you agree? Sometimes people who claim to be holy will ignore you. Walk right by you and ignore you. You see, hurts floored him. He was stripped, wounded, and half, let, half dead. Hurts can floor you. The holy can ignore you. But heaven can restore you. I said heaven can restore you. Because the Bible says a good Samaritan. You know what the good Samaritan did? The Bible says the good Samaritan bandaged his wounds. The good Samaritan put oil and wine. Why oil? Because oil was a disinfectant for the wounds. He placed the man on his donkey and brought him to the inn for the recovery. And then lastly, he paid the innkeeper and offered reimbursement whatever added expenses that the man would have. What are you saying, Pastor Josh? I'm saying that experience always dictates your expression. Love is expressed in this story because the most unlikely candidate the good Samaritan doesn't have anything to do with Jews. And the man who is wounded is probably a Jew. The most unlikely candidate to show love is the person who expressed the love because he received love. You see? Authentic Christianity is when we see a need and we're moved with compassion and we translate that into action. That is authentic Christianity. You see, I'm convinced that a lot of us, including myself, we pray a lot about things. When really, some of us have the ability to do the things we're praying about. If you see your brother in need, quit praying about it. And if you have the resources, you go do it. You could be an answer to prayer to someone. If you see somebody down and depressed, 
Don't pray just for them. Go and you be Jesus to them. We spend a lot of time praying over things that we have the ability to be Jesus to people. You see, what are you saying, Pastor? I'm saying this, that the thieves are the takers of mercy. Am I right? The thieves took the mercy. And then you have the priest and the Levite. They're the talkers of mercy. They talk about it. Oh, oh, priests and Levites, we know how to preach about it. But the good Samaritan was the giver of mercy. You see? What does this teach us? It teaches us that Jesus is the good Samaritan. And he loves those who are broken and wounded and left half for dead. And the church is the innkeeper. And we are to take care of them until Jesus comes back again. And Jesus told the innkeeper, whatever trouble they are to you, I'll reimburse you when I see you. The reason we can take care of the wounded and the broken and the left half dead is because there's coming a reimbursement day that He's going to reimburse us for all the trouble we went through. <laughs> Hallelujah. For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son that whosoever should believeth on Him should not perish, but have everlasting life. The greatest lover is God. The greatest degree. So He loved. The greatest company is, he is the world. The greatest act is that He gave. The greatest gift is His only begotten Son. The greatest opposition is whosoever will. The greatest simple truth is he that believeth. The greatest attraction is in him. The greatest promise should not perish. The greatest difficulty is but. And the greatest possession is eternal life. For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son, that whosoever would believeth on Him would not perish, but have everlasting life. Jesus said to Peter, Do you love me, Peter? Lord, you know I love you. And feed my lambs. Peter, do you love me? Yes, Lord, I love you. Feed my lambs. The third time Jesus said, Peter, do you love me? Peter got indignant. Oh, Lord, you know I love you. Don't you hear those words in your heart today? You heard it last Sunday. And you're going to hear it today, and guess what? Next Sunday, you're going to hear the same words. Do you love me because 
That is the struggle of life. You know what the struggle of life is? Misplaced love. Because there's a constant war for us to love the boat more than we love the house of God. Constant struggle for us to love that person more than we love God Himself. There's a constant struggle for us to love that more than we love God. And we go through our whole life with this struggle over and over and over and over and constantly He's saying, do you love me? Struggle never is over because there's always somebody Somebody wants the place in your heart. There's a king that always wants to sit on your heart. I'm convinced that the problem with our lives, we don't need more money, we don't need better houses and better cars, better spouses. That's not it. The root problem of everything is misplaced love. And when you love somebody, somebody, including your children, your spouse, best friends, what if you love them more than you love God Almighty, then your life is out of order. What would cause somebody to give up their dreams and passions, get on a boat and go across the seas to preach the gospel? It's called unabandoned love. Now, you don't have to do that. But if he asks you to do it, it's one thing. Do you love him? I pray that this Valentine's Day, Jesus would be your everything first. And when Jesus is placed number one in your life, then you will know how to love your spouse right and love your kids right love the church right, love your enemies right, everything else will fall in place when you love Him first. <clears throat> Wonderful love rescued me. I was sinking deep in sin, guilt and vow as I could be, no hope within, and every ray of light had fade. But oh glorious day, he raised my soul up from the grave. Love found a way. Oh, love found a way. It redeemed my soul. Love found a way. Love sent him to the cross of shame. Love found a way. Oh, praise his wonderful.